Well, maybe you're old enough to remember the catchphrase from American Express. It says, membership has its privileges. Oh, good. There are some of you old enough to remember that too. Membership has its privileges. As we come to Luke chapter 11 again, as we turn our sights back to Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 27, all of Luke has really been about this. Membership has its privileges. This has been the emphasis from the, from the beginning of the chapter, and it will kind of be this continuing theme all the way to chapter 18 of Luke chapter 11. Membership has its privileges. And almost, almost everywhere you look, there are memberships that are, that are kind of required, this, these reward programs. Um, I, 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 I get Papa John's bucks. I was able to capitalize on some Papa bucks last, last week because of buying a certain number of pizzas and then you accumulate, you can get them Papa bucks and, and apply those Papa bucks to that pizza, right? Uh, this past week, I, I was doing some work on a car again. This is the recurring theme of my life. And uh, I don't do a very good job keeping receipts, but it doesn't matter because I just tell them my phone number, they can pull up my account, and they can tell me everything that I've purchased that has a lifetime warranty or a lifetime guarantee. They can tell me, they pull it up, and like, ha ha, there it is. Thank you. Rewards member O'Reilly or rewards member AutoZone. But maybe you, you guys are a little bit more fit. You've got a got a membership to a athletic club, or maybe those of you who are sports fans, you got that, that uh, season pass, or maybe more of you who are kind of that, uh, that, that junkie of entertainment, you have those uh, season passes to, uh, to like Kings Island or something to that effect, and membership has its privileges, right? Jesus wants you to understand that, that you are a member of a kingdom. There are, there, there are only one of two options. You're either a member of the kingdom of God or you are a member of the kingdom of this world. There is no neutral territory. There is no Switzerland, as it were. There's no safe place that you can go to kind of find yourself somewhere in the middle where you're not competing against two opposing sides. You are in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of this world. There's no neutral ground. Jesus makes that clear here in Luke chapter 11, verse 23. He says, whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters. That's the point of decision. That's the, the feature that will help you identify with, with which kingdom you're aligned to, which kingdom your heart is given to. Are you a follower of Jesus or are you not a follower of Jesus? If you are passive, that means that you are a part of the kingdom of this world. If you are not pursuing Christ, following Christ, obeying Christ, giving your allegiance to Christ, you belong to the kingdom of this world. Make no mistake. Don't deceive yourself. You belong to this kingdom, not that one. And so Jesus pushes this front and center. 
because Jesus cares about inviting people to enjoy and participate in the kingdom of God. He, he came to make the kingdom of God available, to welcome people in, to, to help them understand how to, how to be part of this kingdom. How, how do you become part of this kingdom of God? And so Luke chapter 11, Jesus begins to, to help his people, his disciples understand that those who are part of the kingdom of God will rely on the power of God that only comes one way. It only comes as kingdom subjects couple their heart and depend upon the, upon the power of God through prayer. Are you a kingdom of God kind of person? One of the marks of the kingdom of God kind of person is that you speak to God through prayer. There is communion with God. There is fellowship with God. There is, a, there is intimacy with God that you enjoy the fatherhood of God and you, you don't see him as this distant deity that is removed from your life, but you see him as an intimate part, a father who cares and preserves and provides and protects you and you invite him to be part of the ebb and flow of everyday part of your life. That's what kingdom subjects will be. That's what kingdom subjects will do. Now Jesus makes this transition and we come to our text this morning in verse 27. That, that those who dwell in the kingdom of God will not only speak to God, but, but now we're gonna find that kingdom of God subjects listen to God. Kingdom people listen to God. Are you a kingdom person? Are you somebody who cares about the king? You're listening, you're tuning in, you're allowing the king to call the shots in your life. You are desiring to know the king through the word of God. You're, you're desiring to couple your heart with tuning in to kingdom things so your heart and life can be oriented in, in kingdom ways. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, in the pew in front of you on page 870, is a, is, a, is a Bible you can follow along with us. Luke chapter 11, verse 27. Here's what it says. And he said these things. A, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. The thrust of these two verses is kingdom people listen to God. And I want to begin with some encouragement here because Jesus is being affirmed and praised by this woman in the crowd. But Jesus wants us to understand that, that kingdom subjects don't have a favored status. There isn't anybody in this world that has a favored status based upon heritage, based upon position, based upon who they know, based upon their relationship to Jesus. Nobody has a favored status. So those of us who are in this room, if we learn to listen to God, you're a kingdom subject. You don't have to be a mom of Jesus. You don't have to be a Jew. You don't have to share uh, um, Israel uh, heritage you can enjoy the benefits of kingdom life by learning to listen to God. Remember, let's just remember what just transpired in the text. Remember a couple of weeks ago as we were in Luke chapter 11, Jesus has just cast out a demon of a man who was mute. 
this mute demon. He cast out this mute demon, and now the mute man speaks, and it's crystal clear to everybody who's watching that something spectacular is taking place. <laughs> A miracle has just gone down. No one denies that. It is obvious. It is clear to everyone who watches. The problem is there are some in the crowd, while they marveled, Others in the crowd who didn't want to assign this special work to a divine hand, they wanted to assign this work to Beelzebul, which is another name for Satan. But this woman, perhaps moved by the statement that Jesus makes in verse 23, whoever is not with me is against me, is willing to publicly set herself apart and take a stand. She's, she's willing publicly to throw her hat into the ring and to help everyone in the crowd understand where she stands on this matter. She is for Christ. She's ready to pick a side. But even though it's clear in this mixed crowd that some are hostile to Jesus and others marvel, this woman is willing to set herself apart. So she says in verse 27, this woman raises her voice and says, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. Meaning, blessed is the woman who gave you birth. Blessed be your mom. Of course, Jesus would affirm the unique and special setting apart of Mary to birth the Son of God, but nowhere in the New Testament do we find Jesus ascribing special value to Mary because of this identity. Even the woman that gave birth to Jesus does not get favored status. Mary will need to submit her life to Christ just like every other disciple. She doesn't get pushed to the front. Remember, we saw this back in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, uh, Mary and Jesus' half-brothers come to, to, to get Jesus, and, and it says this, he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you, but he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. That's what we're going to see in our passage this morning. Those who have special favored status aren't those who have a special relationship to me, but those who have a special relationship to God based upon their willingness to listen. Mary is still an outsider at this point. Remember, as we were working through Luke chapter 8, we saw the interchange, inter interplay between those who come to Jesus and those who are with Jesus. And here... In Luke chapter 8, Mary and Jesus' half-brothers are coming to him, which suggests they are outsiders. They are still not committed fully to faith in Christ. And so they don't enjoy special favored status yet. Only those who hear the word and do it. And remember what happens in John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This is at the very front end, before the very public ministry of Jesus, Jesus attends a wedding up in Cana, which is just a few miles away from Nazareth, and he says, and the, the wine runs out, and remember that Mary comes to Jesus. It says, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus says to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Meaning, Mary, don't forget who I am. Don't forget who you're talking to. 
Don't forget who calls the shots in my life. And, and while you're special because I'm to honor you as mother, you are not the one who tells me what to do. And that's the problem with many of us, is Jesus has become way too common. What, what is the problem for many of us in the Christian life, especially as it relates to listening to the word of God, is that we have access to the word whenever we want. So, so we can have a bit of Jesus now, and we can have a, a bit of Jesus when we need him down the road, but we really don't need Jesus now, so we're gonna take him when we get him, but we don't need him at this point. Jesus had become way too common. We have forgotten who Jesus is. We have forgotten that he is king. The same thing happens, or a similar thing happens, at the, at the very early parts of Jesus' life in Luke chapter 2. Remember that, that, that Joseph and Mary take uh, Jesus to Jerusalem for the Passover. And Joseph and Mary have left the Passover. They've left and they're gone for a day and a half and they realize Jesus isn't there. Like, where is he? And so they run back to Jerusalem another day and a half to get back there and after three days they finally find him and now this interchange happens between Mary and Jesus again. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Have you forgotten who I am? Have you forgotten who sent me? Have you forgotten who calls the shots in my life? Have you forgotten that I am God? I created you. You didn't create me. And that's the problem. Jesus has become way too common for us. And so for most of us in this room who have grown up in church, we know the Bible. We've heard this sermon dozens of times. We, we know how important it is for us to hear the word of God and to do the word of God. We, we know that. We've heard it many, many times. And we have Bibles stacked on our shelves. But we don't do what is necessary in terms of committing ourselves to know the truth, knowing what the word says, running to the scripture, allowing it to speak into our life and having its way in our day-to-day -day life. Because Jesus and the word have become way too common. That's the problem. But the encouragement of this verse this morning, verse 27, is that there's no favored status, that, that everyone in this room, regardless of where you've come from, regardless of your heritage, regardless of who you know and what position you hold, that if you listen to God, you can be part of the kingdom of God. If you listen. But you have to listen. So it's not about favored status, but it is about hearing and obeying the word. That's this next point that we're going to make in verse 28. That, that's the point that Jesus will help to emphasize as he's moving through. My mom's special, but I want you to understand, she doesn't have favored status. Those who listen and obey the word, those are the ones who get special status. Those are the ones who distinctly demonstrate they're part of the kingdom of God. 
That's what he says in verse 28. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This word for blessed is an adjective. It describes a quality of life. And, and the, the translation is, um, is difficult for us at times because it also means to be happy. It means to be fortunate. Blessed is, is one of those words that, that we might uh, misunderstand. But, but Jesus wants us to appreciate or, or recognize that, that, that when he speaks about a blessed life, he's speaking about somebody who is enjoying the favor of God. There's a fullness to life because they're in the, 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 the face of God. They're enjoying the presence of God in their life. Jesus has already described this blessed life in Luke chapter 6. This kind of helps to strengthen this picture. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you when people hate you, rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Now, how many of you want to sign up for that? That is not a happy life for me. But it is a blessed life. Why? It's a blessed life because it's a life that is marked out as one who is looking to eternity, who is a part of the kingdom of God, and is not preoccupied with the kingdom of men, the kingdom of this world. So when there's hunger, and when there's poverty, and when there's danger, and when there's persecution, but then there's a hope in God, that hope is what helps us to understand which kingdom to which kingdom we belong. Where are you finding your joy? Where are you finding your satisfaction? Those are the marks of kingdom living. It's about kingdom identity. To which kingdom do you belong? And it boils down to this. Are you hearing and are you keeping the word? This word to receive or pay attention is to listen. Those who keep is the word to, to guard. It's, it's a word to imprison. It's, it's like you have it locked away in your heart. You will not let it go. And you are allowing the word of God to play out in your life. That's the life that will be blessed. And of course, this is the precedent we see throughout all of scripture. In Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, Jesus will make the same point when he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. In James chapter one, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There, there is a deception that can happen in the hearts of those who are, who are good churchgoers. And, and even the audience that Jesus is talking to, a very moral, a very spiritually active, a very religious group of individuals, after all, they're coming after the rabbi, they're following after the teacher, and Jesus will call them an evil and wicked generation. That's coming. Because they hear the word but they decide whether or not, they pick and choose whether or not to actually follow through. Revelation chapter one, verse three, says blessed is the one who reads aloud these words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. In Joshua 1, eight, 
God's instruction to this new leader who is stepping up to fill the shoes of Moses says this, this book of the law, Joshua, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You want a blessed life? You want a favored life? You want a life that that enjoys the empowerment of God in the things that God has designed you to do? I think about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are his workmanship, those who are in Christ. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so when we are following after the word and we are doing the work that God has called us to do, we're going to enjoy the success of that work because God is the one who's doing it through us. You don't have to have a wasted life. You can live with purpose. You can live for eternity. You can live in such a way that God will smile on you and that while your time on this earth is just like a vapor that passes, the eternal God who sees the end from the beginning is using that vapor to accomplish its little specific purpose in the moment that is then gonna be used by some other way in the master plan of God. Do what God has called you to do and start by listening and doing the word of God. Commit your life to obedience in hearing of the scripture. Kingdom people listen to God. So why is it so easy for us to tune into all the pundits? That person who you enjoy to hear because they say it just the way you want to say it and they confront all the problems in culture that you think need to be confronted. It is great to tune in to people who agree to you. Why do we tune in and turn up the radio or turn up the news to follow after these kinds of individuals? But we don't tune our hearts into the master plan of God in following the word of God. Why is that secondary instead of primary? Kingdom people, listen to God. You know, we've heard sermons like this a dozen times. But if you're honest with yourself, there's really no urgency still. There's still complacency that has kind of fogged into your heart. You know what God expects and you are saving it for later. There's no commitment to making it happen in the here and now. Why? Because Jesus has become common for you. And to be honest with you, Jesus is common for me way too often. Those who are kingdom people, who live in the kingdom of God, are those who tune in and listen to the word of God and are ready to obey the spirit of God. Kingdom people listen to God. Turn off the other voices. Allow your heart to tune in to the voice of God through his word. And this is a commitment we need to make for ourselves in 2 Timothy 2.15. All of you who are in Awana know this verse. Do your best to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of God. This is your responsibility. 
And, and while it's good to listen to sermons of other people, they are the ones who've done the work, the hermeneutic, the, the, the hard work to make the word of God clear to you. And, and there's some benefit to that, but you're not gonna go deep into the word of God. You're not gonna be approved by God unless you're doing the work for yourself. Be approved by God by getting into the word yourself. Do the work. Not like the ABC gum, the already been chewed kind of gum. The already chewed kind of sermon. We like to be encouraged. It's good to be encouraged by the preaching of God's word, but, but you're never going to grow in the Christian life unless you get into the word yourself. You have to commit yourself to this work. So kingdom people listen to God. Next, we're gonna see that, that kingdom people submit to God. Kingdom people submit to God. Notice, beginning in verse um, 29, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. It was unthinkable for Jesus to use two groups of Gentiles to prove his point about receptivity to the word of God. It was unthinkable and quite offensive. And not only to pull them out or draw attention to them as select group of individuals, but then to suggest that these individuals are gonna be the ones to condemn the Jews who were in front of Jesus at that point. That was unthinkable. But these people wanted definitive proof. They, they wanted a sign. They weren't content with the words of Christ. They weren't content to see the evidence of the miracles of Christ, the unmistakable work of Jesus in casting out demons wasn't enough. They wanted a sign. So Jesus says, you want a sign? Fine, I will give you a sign, here it is. The sign, the first sign is the sign of repentance. You want a sign that I belong to the kingdom of God? Recognize a heart that has truly been changed by the word of God. Notice the receptivity and the power of the word to change a life. And he draws attention to Jonah. Jonah, who, by the way, would say five Hebrew words. Five Hebrew words would usher in the greatest revival in Bible history. 120,000 men, not including women and children. Five words from a very reluctant prophet. That's all it took. Why? Why, why did five words create such a mighty response? Because these were the words of God. <laughs> and so they brought power. 
They brought the ability to, to raise the dead to life. It was the word of God to bring life into these dead hearts. And so five Hebrew words could create spiritual life in dead hearts. And by the way, as far as Jonah was concerned and everybody else living in Israel at the time, this, these Ninevites were the worst of the worst. They're the atrocities that the nation of Assyria committed, the brutality, the mercilessness in battle, uh, the group of individuals who are idolatrous to the core, God-haters in every way imaginable, and God could change them with five words in the power of the Spirit. This is encouragement to us because anybody in this room who knows any individual who they desire to see repentance and be part of the kingdom of God, rely on one thing and one thing only, and that is the power of the word. That is the only thing that can change your heart. And not your appeal to them to draw them in and to show them kind of love. That, that is important, but is not what's gonna accomplish the, the job. The only thing that's going to accomplish spiritual life in their heart is the word. Be bold with the word. Tell the word because the power is in the word of God, not in any word that you would bring to the table, not in any argument that you might, you might pose. Depend on the word of God. And then in this moment, even now as the Holy Spirit perhaps is tapping you on the shoulder in telling you about that sin in your life that you still continue to stumble over. Is your heart the heart of one that would resemble a kingdom follower by being receptive to the Spirit of God in your life by turning away from your sin and turning to God? Does repentance mark your life? as somebody who is teachable and receptive and humble and pliable, that when the Spirit speaks to your life, you say, yes, not another day. If you hear his voice today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the day of rebellion. Don't be like the people in Jesus' crowd. Don't be the, the rebel, evil generation. Demonstrate you belong to the kingdom by having a heart of humility, a heart of repentance. Then he uses this sign of delighting in the word of God as he draws attention to the queen of the south. In verse 31, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. This queen of the south or the queen of Sheba coming from the southern tip of Arabia hears the rumblings of wisdom that she hears is happening in Jerusalem and she makes her way probably weeks long journey, maybe months long journey in order to get to Jerusalem so she can delight herself in knowing is this really a supernatural word of God? Jesus will say again, she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. The account in 1 Kings chapter 10 kind of fills this out a little bit more when it says this in verse one. Now when the queen of Sheba heard that the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. 
She was interested in trying to drive him to the point of confusion. These questions that were going to be too difficult for him to answer, but, but she understands and recognizes God's wisdom is marking the life of King Solomon, and she hears all of her questions explained. So the result of that, the, the response is found in verse 4. When the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. It took her breath away. The wisdom of God that marks a life of one who is a true kingdom follower of one who is a true kingdom seeker, it will take their breath away. Does your life demonstrate such a commitment, such a delight in the word of God, that that when people see you, they, they recognize there's a quality about your life that can't be explained any other way. It must be the Lord. And so you notice what she pronounces on Solomon and his subjects in verse eight and nine. She says, Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. You are truly a people who are blessed because you are a people of the word. Kingdom people delight, delight in the word of God. Are you a person that loves the word? Psalm 1, 1 and 2, David describes this when he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Is that the characteristic of your life? Is there a delighting in the word of God? When that happens, you will enjoy blessing. Blessed be the man. Blessed is the one. Blessed is the boy or the girl. Finally, kingdom people focus on God. It's probably not the best word to use, but you you, you get the point as we briefly work our way through this. Kingdom people focus on God. Verse 33 says this, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket on the stand. So those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part Dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays give you light. You know, as a kid, I just totally, I totally did not get what was going on in this passage. But it, it is, it's as simple as this. The understanding, the knowledge that, that comes into your mind is knowledge that comes through the, the gate of your eyes. So, so when you partake of knowledge, wherever that knowledge might be, 
when you are dabbling in the knowledge of this world, when you're dabbling in the philosophies of, of this world, and you're, you're comparing them with, with the philosophies or the concepts or the truths you might hear from the scripture, and you're trying to compare the two, there's gonna be a competing worldview. But when your eye is single, and that's really what it's talking about here, an eye that's focused, an eye that's devoted, an eye that looks and is precisely orienting itself in one direction, the, the light and truth of God it is filling a heart and a mind, and it will change everything about the way you live, the way you think, the way you act, the way you make your decisions. Is your eye single? As you make decisions, are you allowing those decisions to be governed by the truth of God's word? Are you comparing it with the philosophies of this world on how to do various things, how to be the best kind of employee, how to get ahead, how to be safe for the future, whatever it might be. What is orienting your heart? What is, what is capturing your attention? What is giving you light within? And what's also important for us to understand is, is that the light does not come from within you. The light is always from the outside. It's always the light that comes from God and comes from God alone. He is the source of light, and he tells his people to walk as children of the light. It only happens one way. It only happens as we allow the word of God to be the focal point of our attention, the source of truth, the authority that speaks into our life that, that is sufficient for everything in this life to help us live the kind of way that God has called us to live. So let me close with just four suggestions. These aren't in your notes. It's for free. And there are several others. But, but these four stand out. First, be in the word. Be in the word yourself. Don't borrow or piggyback from others. Don't let that be the, the only source of spiritual encouragement that you're listening to a good podcast, you're listening to a good sermon. Be in the word yourself. Be approved. Study the word. Dig in. Let the spirit of God speak to your heart. It's not just about information. It's about relationship. And the only way you can have relationship with God is through his word as God is speaking directly into your life. Let God speak. Sharpen your mind. Condition yourself to think deeply. Second, be around people of the word. Be around people of the word. And... and and the Sunday gathering is one that you should prioritize. It should be the most important thing in your week. And, and I am so grateful for my parents. My parents made this the, it was, it was like the foundation of our family. The, the word of God and, and, and helping us to memorize the word, which is coming later, but, but especially in prioritizing the, the fellowship, the, the gathering, the, the speaking in that happens only when you're with God's people. You know, one of the gifts that God has given to you, Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, and God gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. God has given you the gift of pastors and teachers to help you grow in the Christian life and be equipped for the ministry that God has called you to be equipped to. So prioritize the Sunday morning gathering so that you can, 
so you can anchor your heart in what God is calling you to do, and you can be equipped to do it. And then there's the stirring one another up to love and good deeds that only happens when we're together. It happens here on Sunday morning. It happens throughout the week. It happens in connect groups. It also happens in small groups and Bible studies that are taking place. Prioritize the people of God. One of the easiest ways for us to do that, can I encourage you all to be part of a connect group? I can't think of a better way to have a conversation about the Bible than our, our, in our connect group uh, Sunday morning, 9, 9 to 10.30. All of you should be part of a connect group, unless you're in youth group. That's kind of your connect group. It will give you the opportunity to understand how to have spiritual conversations, how to look into the word of God and, 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 and draw out the truths and, and learn from others. And then we're gonna be moving into the, the book of Ruth for the summer. And we're gonna have a study guide each week. I would encourage you, dig in to the scripture by, by taking that study guide, take it home, work it through, and allow the word of God to speak to your life. That's second. Third, have a heart that is soft and teachable, humble and repentant. Be willing when the spirit is calling attention to something in your life to say yes. When God says there's a problem here. That your immediate response is, okay. That's not an easy thing to do, but it will change your life. Be teachable. Be willing to repent. Listen to God. Be willing to say yes. When there's an opportunity that God presents to you to serve somebody else, and, and it comes to your attention, you, your, your first posture is say, okay, sign me up. And then you get to see the power of the Holy Spirit showing up in your life in a way that you've never seen it before, perhaps. You get to see the strengthening hand of God. Fourth, memorize the word. Memorize the word. And I don't care how difficult it might be. Maybe it's memorizing a phrase or two. Maybe it's memorizing whole chapters or whole books. But let me tell you, as you work that muscle, it will become easier just like any other muscle. You, you, you work out, you, you begin to, to flex and, and all of these things, and, and it gets easier. You get stronger. So the same thing happens when you memorize the word of God. As you're, as you're doing it, you're conditioning your mind to learn. You're training yourself to godliness. That's what Paul tells Timothy. Train yourself to love the word. Memorize it. Oh God, we want to be kingdom people. So we want not just to, to speak to you in prayer, but we want to listen to you from your word. We want it to be the focal point of our life. We want it to be the foundation for every decision that we make. So Lord, help us to, to tune out the other voices so we can tune in to the still, small voice of the word of God. Help us to be compliant. Help us to be teachable. Help us to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming. God bless you.